Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to tune in to this week's message. That's not how we're marching on mission here at DP, I assure you. No such thing as force fruit. No such thing as force fruit. That'd be failed, failed mission. Well, we're delighted to have each and every one of you here. I'm Pastor Chad, one of the pastors here, and just believing for the work of God's Spirit to touch and minister to every heart, every life. And I'm confident that Jesus Christ is able to make a difference in your life. He's able to make an exchange and a change. And it is our joy to be a part of what God is doing on the earth today. Well, in the month of March, we are in a series titled Missions March. And uh, when you came in, you should have received a sermon card. Uh, if not, if you'll raise your hand or just uh, make some, some noise, someone will bring it to you. But this is for you, most importantly, not just to follow along today, but to take it home. And to go back over what God is saying to us and to this community, uh, of course, through the Word of God. And uh, it's our joy to provide that for you each and every week. Well, last week, Pastor Craig kicked off this series, Missions March. And he kicked it off with a a series or a, a message titled, Missions Mindset. And briefly, let me summarize and bring you up if you weren't here last Sunday. Is that we need a mindset that neutrality is not an option. Neutrality neutrality is not an option. We need a mindset that we must do something. We need an aggressive mindset, a mindset that is missionally minded. In fact, we who are followers of Christ today, who have been born again and has confessed Jesus as Lord and leader of our life, we need to accept that the Scripture speaks of us as putting on the armor of light. It speaks of us as being ministers of the gospel. It speaks of us as being co-laborers with Christ, as having a spiritual duty, as workers, as stewards of the mysteries of God, as spiritual priests, as those who plow, as runners, as a boxer in a fight, as a functioning member of a body, as spiritual priests, as sent people, ambassadors of heaven, living sacrifices, living temples, living letters, Seed sowers, lights of the world, kingdom workers, soldiers, builders, athletes in competition, hardworking farmers who are created and to be zealous for good works. That is metaphors and description that God gives regarding his people. That clearly says that we are not to be a passive people. We are not to be a passive people, but we're to be a people of intentionality. That God has acted on our behalf and he has done something through the finished work of Jesus Christ that does not lead to a response of passivity, but leads to a response of intentionality. I want to talk to us about this today. And yet genera- generation after generation, there's people that mentally know what I just said regarding what the scripture says about his people. And yet still never walk in the good works that they were created for in Christ Jesus when they were born again. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I want to tell you up front today that there is a conspiracy. There is a conspiracy against you living on mission. There is a conspiracy against us being missional, of staying focused, of staying intentional, responding to the grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is a conspiracy. Today I'm going to let you in on this mystery and I'm going to let you in on this conspiracy. The Bible speaks that there is a mystery of godliness. The Bible speaks that there is a mystery of sin. To do this, I want us to turn to James chapter 1. And I'm going to look mainly at one passage of Scripture and I'm going to teach today a message titled, Look Again. Look Again. And I believe that today God is saying to many of us, if not all of us, to look again. 
And if we'll look again, we will begin to live again, to begin to live on mission, to begin to live moving forward in the good works that God has created for us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to start in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. But before I do, I would like to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord. I thank you that he came and he conquered sin and the devil and he conquered every plan of the enemy against the people that are here. And Father, I thank you the blood speaks better things. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit you would cause the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. That we would know the greatness of your power within us. That we would know the hope of your calling. That we would know your inheritance within the saints. I ask spirit of wisdom and revelation to move and to work to cause Christ to be manifested and seen clearly. We thank you for this. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. James chapter 1 and 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And you move down to verse 21, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law, or by say perfect law, of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Notice what James says. James says that those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ today, who have confessed Him as Lord, who have been born again, that we have been brought forth by the will of God. That it was God's will to cleanse us, to forgive us, to bring us out of darkness into His kingdom of light. That it's because of God's will that we have been born again. That we have been saved, that we have been brought forth by the word of truth, the message, the gospel of our salvation. And we have been brought forth as a new creature. New creation, not ordinary people. Not still descendants of the first man, Adam, but God has done a new work. The new thing on the earth has sprung forth through what he's provided through Jesus Christ. But then he says, verse 21, therefore. When you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. He's saying because of God's grace, because it was his good will to make you a new creation, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Because it was God's will to transfer you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because it was God's will to forgive you, to give you a new heart. Because of this, our response to the marvelous grace of God should be, we should be willing to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness in our soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And the reason James says we should be willing to lay aside the filthiness and the overflow of wrong thinking, wrong speaking, wrong desires, negative emotions, toxic emotions, is so that we can receive with meekness the implanted word. The implanted word. Let me remind you humbly that the implanted word is Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word Christ was made flesh. Many of you have received Christ. That's not just enough to receive Christ. James says that you would now receive with meekness Christ being implanted into areas of your soul. I like what Vine's Dictionary says. He says, God wants you to have present encounters with His power that delivers us from the residue and the effects of sin left in our mind, will, and emotions. Because of God's grace, because you're a new creation, be willing to lay aside so you can receive with meekness the implanted word who is Christ. And notice what he says. Receiving Christ, the implanted word, is able to save your soul. It doesn't matter how long you've been in bitterness. It doesn't matter how long you've had wrong thinking. It doesn't matter how long you've experienced wrong desires and wrong affections that you can receive meekly Christ in you and he is able to save. He is able to deliver your soul from the power of sin, from the effects of sin. He is able to make you whole. He's able to restore you. He's able to heal your emotions. He is able to save. But in order to experience his ableness in areas of your mind, will, and emotions that then affects your life and allows you to live on mission, you're going to have to look again. Many of us are going to have to look again. In fact, all of us are going to have to learn to look again. That the mystery of godliness is not just where we can look one time, but we're going to have to learn by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to look again and again. This leads me to the first question today. So how can you be a doer of the word? 
How can you be a person that lives on mission? How can you be a person that moves forward living out the good works that God has created for you in Christ? Well, first, James is telling us it is not about the filthiness. It is about being willing to lay aside the filthiness. Some of you, you got some filthy thinking. Some of you got some filthy attitude. Some of you might have some filthy language. Some of you might have some filthy desires. And James says, I need you to understand something. That you, it's not about how filthy you are. It's about how faithful he is. It's not about your ability and how much you've messed up, but it's about God's ability and how Jesus Christ can save and deliver and make whole and restore your soul and take what is broken and take ashes and build it into the beauty and the likeness of Jesus Christ. You say, I'm filthy today, Pastor Chad, but I say, but he's faithful to save. Look again, not at your filthiness, but look again at his faithfulness. Secondly, it's not about doing enough. It's about being responsive to His grace and obedience. It's not about you doing enough. It's not about you doing enough to stay on mission. It's not about you doing enough. It's just about you responding to what His grace is trying to work in you and through you. Allowing Him to work on your behalf. Thirdly, it's about receiving with meekness. With meekness. See, pride is a fruit of self-dependence. You're going to experience the mind of Christ being formed in your mind. If you're going to experience the Holy Spirit purifying your desires, if you're going to experience the anointing of God healing the broken places in your heart and healing toxic emotions, then you're going to have to move away from a self-dependence and with meekness have a God-dependence. You're going to have to look again to the only one who can change you, the only one who can save your soul, the only one who can... Cause what he started in your spirit when you're born again to continue to grow and affect your soul. Fourthly, James is saying, look again not on what you deserve to receive, but what God graciously has already given. Jesus Christ isn't going to come and walk on the earth again in this age. Jesus Christ has came and he has put away sin and he has conquered sin and the devil and the powers of hell. He has accomplished a finished work and he has provided all we need for life and godliness. And you're going to have to learn to look again, not at what you deserve. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've went into years of wandering in the wilderness. Yes, you, you know, done some things that's wrong, but you don't need to look again on what you deserve, but look again at what God graciously has given. Paul told the Galatians, he says, you need to look again at what God has already given through the cross and the finished work of Jesus Christ. He says something and someone is blinding you. It's bewitching you. It's causing you not to see that God's already given something on your behalf. God's already provided something on your behalf. That God has already has his ability provided to deal with what you're experiencing and what you're facing. We need to look again. James says in verse 22 but be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving yourselves. James says there's two kinds of people. There are those who hear only, but don't do what they hear. But then there's another group who hears, and yet they're able to do what it is they have heard. It's my prayer and I believe, believe today that each and every one of us, from this point forward in our life, will be choosing one of those options. We will be choosing to either become a hearer only, or to become one who hears and who does. Let me talk to you for a moment about hearers only. Only is the Greek word monon. It's associated with another Greek word that we have and we share in our English language, this word being moron. Moron is the Greek word that described the foolish person. A form of this Greek word moron is monon, an only person. And to be a monon person, the Greek, what it means is one who has the capacity to, capacity to hear only, but not to be a doer of what is heard. Now originally the word moron in our language was used as a technical term. A technical term of a person who had the capacity to maybe hear a command didn't have the capacity to perform it. Of course that word was later abused in our country. It was used in a derogatory way, not in an examining way, but in a put-down, in a negative derogatory way. And therefore, that word is not used 
hardly at all, if at any, in our country anymore. But here's the point. What James needs us to understand is that being a monon person, a person who only hears, is foolish. Why? Because James says the one who hears only deceives themselves. Now I can understand some people's logic that allows them to deceive others for their own benefit. I can get that at times, understand. You know, they steal for others because they want money if you have a need to. I can get the logic of that. But James is saying, when you hear God's word and you hear that God loves you and you hear that God has acted on your behalf through Jesus Christ, when you hear that God has a plan for you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you hear you have been born again and created for good works, to hear that only and do nothing, you deceive yourself. How foolish is that to deceive yourself? But that's what hearers only do. They deceive themselves. The only other category James mentions here from being one who hears only is one who hears and then who does. These are the builders. These are the co-workers with Jesus Christ. These are the ones that experience the therefore, that respond to the grace and understand what he's done when they were born again. And therefore, they become not just a hearer only, but one who hears and does. They're builders. They're doers of the good works that God created for them. They're the people that march on mission. They're the people that on their stay here on earth live out the plan and purpose of why they have been born again and a part of the body of Christ. Jesus said about such people in Luke 6, 47, He says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. Those are the ones who hear and do. You can have your life built on the rock of Jesus Christ, but not just your life and your, the fact that you're born again, but you can have your mind and you can have your will. You can have your soul built and engrafted by the Word in the very presence of Christ. But then there's others who hear and do nothing, and it's like a person who built their house on the earth, on the sand, without a foundation, and the same things come, but immediately it fell. I think about a man named Ezra. He's got a book in the Bible named after himself. Ezra was a person who was a builder. He was a doer. He was a leader in the rebuilding of that which had been broken down. Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem and the temple. He was a builder. He was a doer of God's mission and what God was wanting to restore upon the earth in his day. And Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. That is a builder. That is a doer. Notice why Ezra became a builder. Because first he prepared himself with the missions mindset. He understood that I'm a part of a bigger plan, that God wants me to do my part in his plan and what he has. But then he sought the law of the Lord to do it. Someone today is about to look again, and it's going to lead to you living again, to living on mission again, to living with the sense of purpose that God and Christ in you wants to live through you to impact and influence those around you for his glory. But you're going to not look to the same law that Ezra looked. You're going to find out that you can look to the perfect law. James continues in verse 23. James 1, he says, If anyone is a hearer of the word, And not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James says, let me help give you some description, some more illustration about the people who only hear. Who only hear that God has a plan for me but doesn't do anything. Who only hears that God has grace that can change you, that can save you, that can turn you into a new person. That God has a way to get you out of what sin and circumstances and wrong choices have trapped you in. James says, let me help you understand those who just hear but do nothing with what they hear. He says that person is like a person who is observing his or her natural face in a mirror. The hearer only is one who is observing him or herself. And because they're only focusing and observing themselves, that leads to them not being a doer. And because they're only focused in thinking about themselves, it also causes them to forget what kind of person they truly are. That they are called to live on mission. They are called to be a part of the greatest adventure of all, of experiencing Christ living through you and seeing His grace flow out of you and bless others and touch others and be used for His glory and the fruit of Christ being displayed in your life. 
He says they begin to forget. Forget what, what kind of person? That we're a missional people. We're, we're a people that can receive grace that empowers obedience and response. Why are they hearers only? Because they're observing their natural faces in a mirror. You know what that means? A hearer only is a person who thinks that what they are observing in the natural, what they are seeing in their trial, what they are seeing in their current season, what they are seeing naturally in their relationships, what they are seeing naturally in their behavior is the true image of who they are and what they have. They believe that if I want to get the clearest sense of who I am as a person, of what God has made me, of what God has for me, they believe that most clearest picture of that is their current natural state of things. James says, no, no, no. If you begin to look intently and observe and focus on the natural state of things, it will cause you to forget what kind of person God made you. It will forget that you are called to live on mission, that you were created for good works. See, they believe the natural state of things is an exact representation of who they are. Can I tell you, if you've been born again and you're trying to learn and you need to look again and that's why we're here to help you and teach you, can I help you understand that just because you might have some natural failures and some natural things you don't understand of how to live this out and walk this out, that your current natural state doesn't have to become the long-standing quality of your life? That you don't have to allow what you're currently facing, the natural current circumstances, to become the clearest picture of what God has for you, what God has provided for you, and what God through His grace wants to do for you. See, the word observing means to look intently and gaze. It's like those old thing carnival wheels with the, you know, it looked like lightning and it's white and black and they spin and they try to get you to stare at it. This is what happens. You start staring only at the natural state of your behavior. You start staring only at the natural state of your feelings. You start staring only at the natural state of your circumstances. Then what's going to happen is you're going to go into a gaze and the gaze is going to cause you to forget what kind of person you are. You're a child of God. You've been created true in true righteousness and holiness through the new birth in your spirit. You're called to live on mission. You're joint heirs with Christ. You're a co-worker with Christ. You're a child of God. So a reason people become hearers only is that they're looking at the wrong thing. But you can look again today. Maybe up to this point in what you're facing and in the trials and the current state of relationships and the current state of job opportunities, the current state of your behavior and your performance. Maybe it's not been good, but you can look again today. Someone say, look again. James says they're observing their natural face. The word natural means source, origin, and genealogy. It's the Greek word genesis means beginning or origin. See, hearers only are those who observe intently where they have come from in the natural. They're looking at themselves only from a natural standpoint, but Paul says very clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, we're to no longer recognize each other nor think about ourselves according to the flesh. You're not just to think about yourself in the natural, color of your skin, the height of you are, what color eyes you have, and color hair. You're not to get so focused on the natural state of things. Because if you just keep focusing and looking intently on the circumstances surrounding your birth, on what side of the tracks you were born on, on what you grew up in, then that will cause you to forget what kind of person God made you when you were born again. Here's only, they're always focused on, well, mom's always done it this way. Dad's always done it this way. My grandparents have always lived this way. And they're getting focused on their natural genealogy. But we're not just a natural people anymore if we're born again. We have been born again by the word of God. And it is imperishable and incorruptible because Jesus Christ has joined himself to our spirit and we're one spirit with him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. See, what happens is when you look at your temporary state and the natural state of things, it will distract you from the eternal mirror of God's Word, what God has for you, what God has done on the inside of you. And don't let the temporary state of things become your state of life. Don't allow it to become your quality of life. Don't allow this season to become every season of your future. What is the context of James? What is James talking about? The context of the whole book of James is trials. Don't allow the natural state of your trial, the trial in your marriage, the trial at work, the trial with your performance and your behavior, the trial with wrong thinking and areas. Don't allow the trials 
to become the only thing that you fix your gaze and observe. You get so fixated on that, you'll forget that there is another mirror. There is another source of truth. There is another law available. There is other options than just the natural state of affairs that you're currently experiencing. I think of Ecclesiastes 11.4. Solomon, the preacher, in examining the purpose of life, and says, He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. See, hearers only are like this type of person. They're like one that is only observing their natural face, their natural lineage, only observing the natural things concerning their birth and how they grew up. They're only observing their natural performance, natural behavior. The hearer only is a person that's constantly looking at the wind of their emotions. But the wind of your emotions, that's why it's called wind of your emotions, are constantly changing. And if all you do is observe the wind of your emotions and how you're feeling and changing, if all you're doing is observing the wind of your performance where some days it looks so good and other days you look so bad, if all that you're doing is observing that, you will not sow. You will not keep looking to the Spirit of God. You will not keep looking to what God has done through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He who observes the wind and the clouds that change will be distracted from living on mission, will be distracted from what kind of person God created us through the new birth. See, listen to me. The more you focus on what is wrong with you, the less you will find what is right with you. The more you focus on what is wrong with you, the less you will even care about what is right with you. You'll get so overwhelmed with the changing of your emotions, the flux of your behavior. The more you focus on what is wrong with you, the less you will remember what God has said about you. The more you focus on what is wrong with you, the less you will remember what God, remember that God has a way to make things right for you. So how do we become a constant, consistent doer of God's Word? Constantly acting out the reality that Christ has been placed within us. How do we consistently go on mission, which is what Jesus called us to do as you're going through life? Matthew 28, the Great Commission. As you're going through life, make disciples. Water baptize them. Teach them to observe. How do you become a consistent doer? Well, listen, a consistent doer is one who is less aware of themselves and more aware of someone else. I'll say it again. The ones who become a consistent doer are living on mission are less aware of themselves and more aware of someone else. It's like the joke. Who is a good sound man? The one you are never aware of. <laughs> you don't want attention as a sound man. The more attention, the more... We need to learn. It's like a joke. Who's a good media person? The one you're never aware of. Well, who's a consistent doer of what they hear? The one who is not observing his and her own capacity, but is looking to someone else that has learned there's another source. This is what James says. Look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and it is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Notice there is one who hears and does, who looks into the perfect law of liberty, who continues in it, doesn't forget what he has heard or what she has heard, and is a doer of the word. Watch this. And then is blessed. And what he or she does. So the one who hears and does looks to something different. That's why many of us need to look again. That's why we need to be reminded, many of us, to look again. We got to look at something different than those who just hear, who are only observing the natural state of their circumstances, the natural state of their performance, the natural state of their behavior. See, the hearer only looks intently at what is happening in the natural to be the mere determining what God has for them. But the one who hears and does knows that there is another mirror. There is a more true mirror. Paul says this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, but we all, this is for all of us. Now there's no one that can escape this if you want to walk consistently in missional living and be outwardly the person God has created you inwardly to be. He says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, degree to degree, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Notice he says, you want to have the transformation of your mind to experience the mind of Christ? You want to have the transformation of negative emotions to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit affecting your emotions? You want to have the transformation of wrong desires and affections and have the affection and desires of Christ formed in them? Then you better look again. you got to look to the different source. Don't look to the natural state in the natural trials and the natural circumstances and the natural growth and the natural behavior in your life. you got to look to another source. You need to look to the glory of the Lord which is in the face of Jesus Christ. And as you look to that which is the true mirror, Paul says you'll be transformed in your soul from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, thank God for the precious Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, James then, here in our main passage, calls this other mirror the perfect law of liberty. And he says the one who is a doer of what they hear is one who keeps looking, observing, and uh, intentionally looking into this perfect law of liberty. What does he mean, perfect law of liberty? Well, listen, the word looks there is only used in three passages of the New Testament. It's used here by James. It's used by Peter when he talks about the angels long to look into the grace of God. And it's taught, it's used by the gospel writers, Luke and John, regarding the account of when the disciples go to the tomb after three days. Let me show you these two gospel accounts. First, one scripture in Luke 24 and verse 12. But Peter arose... And ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Notice that. Peter runs to the tomb. The stone's been rolled away. He stoops down and he begins to look. And Jesus is not there. And he begins to marvel to himself. Where is he? Then you pick it up and you see John's account in John 20 and verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have laid him. Is that not where some of you are at right now? You know Jesus Christ came into your life. You know you were born again. You know you confessed Him as Lord. But right now you feel like because of what you're facing, because of your trials and circumstances, you're crying out saying, Oh dear God, where has Jesus been taken? Where is He at? They understand. They live this out just like we. But we all with an unveiled face need to learn to behold something. Verse 4, it says, So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Notice what he had to do. He had to stoop down and look in. And then it says in verse 11, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head. The other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have led him. This is a great question that I believe. Not only the angels who look at the grace of God, but that the Holy Spirit wants to ask some of us today, Why are you weeping? When you look at your current trial, when you look at the current state of things, Why are you weeping? Why are you saying, Where has the Lord went? Verse 14 says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. Of course, she didn't know it was Jesus. She supposed him to be the gardener. Here's the point. James uses the same word that describes Peter and Mary stooping down and looking in the tomb. He uses the same word to be a picture of the one who hears and becomes a consistent doer of God's plan and purpose for their life. What is he saying? He's saying there might be some areas that are empty in your soul where Christ hasn't been formed yet. His mind hasn't been formed yet. His affections haven't been formed yet. 
And there might be a current state, some natural things in your life, your performance and some thinking and some circumstances that are trying to get you outside of the tomb weeping as if there's no hope, as if this current season and current state has to be the whole state and quality of your life. But remember what James said? He said you got to receive the engrafted word Christ in that area where you've been weeping, where there's been sorrow, where there's been inconsistency with meekness. And the picture is just like Mary and John lowering, lowering themselves and stooping down and willing to humble themselves and keep looking at the mystery of the gospel and keep looking at the mystery of the tomb and keep wondering and questioning and marveling and asking yourself, where is he? Where is he in this area of my life? Where is he in this natural state and circumstance? And you keep humbling yourself and asking that question and you don't allow the weeping to push you back, but you allow the weeping to humble yourself in meekness and you keep looking in at the empty tomb and you keep asking yourself, where is he? Until you, by the Holy Spirit, get a revelation that he's no longer there. And you say, well, where is he? He's now Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's now the law the spirit of life on the inside of you. That's why he's no longer there. He's not in the tomb because he was raised victorious and now he wants to resurrect himself on the inside of you so that he can live through you. But you're going to have to humble yourself and stop looking at your current performance, at your current state of things, at your current situation and you're going to have to look back to the mystery of the cross which is the power and the wisdom of God that is able to cause you to be made whole, cause you to be restored, cause you to be made pure in your thinking and in your desires so that Christ can be engrafted and you have a present encounter with the power of the cross today. Somebody needs to look again. You need to look again at the tomb that it's empty, that he's no longer there because now he is the perfect law on the inside of you. Jesus Christ, the perfect man, Jesus Christ, the perfect one, has now became the perfect law on the inside of you to do what you could never do. He lives in you to be formed in you. He wants to be formed in you to, be, to live through you. But you can live on mission and be a consistent doer of the word. He has now become the perfect law of liberty on the inside of you. He has become the perfect source, the perfect engine, the perfect provision, the perfect principle of where there is not consistency and manifesting outwardly who God has already made you inwardly through the new birth. But you're going to have to look again. Look again to the mystery of Christ in you. Look again, not at your current state, at your current ability, at your current performance. Look again to the perfect one and begin to live by faith in Christ who lives on the inside of you. Proverbs 4.25 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. This is what wisdom does. This is the wisdom of God to keep looking away from the wisdom of the world that says this is how you change it. This is how you fix it. This is how you're a consistent doer. No, no, no. you got to turn away from the wisdom of the world and you got to stoop down with meekness and humility like Mary and you got to keep looking into the mystery of the finished work of Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit can give you a revelation that now that perfect man lives on the inside of you to make you perfect, to make you complete, to make you mature where you're lacking. See, what will you look at because the look makes the difference? Maybe you've heard of the Flying Walendas. It's a family of aerialists, tightrope walkers. Carl Walenda said that for him, living was walking the tightrope. Everything else was waiting. Carl Walenda fell to his death while walking a tightrope without a safety net between two high-rise buildings in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Well, Linda fell, still clutching the balancing pole he had warned his family never to drop, lest he hurt someone below. Later, when Linda's wife said that before her husband had fallen, for the first time since she had known him, he had been concentrating on falling instead of on walking the tightrope. He had personally supervised the attachment of the guide wires, which he had never done before. Can I tell you that the looking makes the difference? 
he began to look and think and make sure that they had done it correctly and he looked away from what he needed to be focused on walking the tightrope. And unfortunately, it led to his death. Is that not a picture of what James is saying? That some of us keep falling into wrong behavior and falling into wrong performance and falling into wrong relationships and we have inconsistency and we're not continually living missional and influencing and being the salt and the light that God has created us to be in Christ Jesus and it's because we are looking away from the perfect one on the inside of us that can make us complete and whole and consistent because he's the perfect principle and law for liberty. What are we looking to? See, you can look again or you can be locked within. What do I mean? You can learn to look again at the mystery of the finished work of Jesus Christ and the mystery of Christ in you or you can get locked within your current season. You can get locked within your current degree of glory and the sanctification of your soul. You can either look again to the perfect one Christ within or you can stay locked within your current season, your current trial. See, James said hearers only deceive themselves, and a root word of the word only is meno, and it means to remain or to be held continually in that state. See, hearers only get locked into deceit, and they get locked into being a hearer only. Why? Because they get locked into forgetfulness, And things will stay locked up for all of us unless you learn to look again. Job said it all throughout. Job said for a time that he was locked up. He was hedged up. Job said if God imprisons a man, there can be no release. Job said God put his feet in the stocks. Job said that God watched closely all his past. Job said that you set a limit for the soles of my feet. But then Job looked again and God turned his captivity and he was blessed in the end double-fold. He looked again. The writer of Hebrews said you can go on towards maturity, biblical perfection if God permits. What does that mean? Because God's predestined all of us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Meaning if you do not do the first things that God in His grace has already said to you, the first things that you have heard, then you will be locked up and not permitted to mature until you look again at what He has already said to you and you look again to the perfect one that lives in you to give you grace to empower obedience in the thing He spoke to you. Hebrews 6.3 says, If God permits, we will go forward. So you can look again today and live again. Or you can look not today and stay locked within. Listen to me. Some of your trials, some of the frustrations, some of the current circumstances is to produce pressure to cause you to humble yourself and to look again at the tomb until you get the revelation that he's no longer there because now he's in here and he's in here to be the grace and the source of power for you to be able to do what God is asking you to do. Peter had no ability on his own to step out of that boat on water. But when Jesus gave the word, the word became the foundation and empowered him to be able to do it. God has grace available for you. He has grace available to change your soul so that you can live not with forgetfulness, but live with that mindset that Pastor Craig talked about last week to live on mission. Some of you, maybe today, you need to look again at the source. You think your source for obedience is in the natural. How smart you are, how wise you are, how strong you are, how much effort you get. No, no, no. You need to look again to the true source. Colossians 2 says you are rooted in Christ. You're now from His lineage. That though we bore the image of the earthly man, 1 Corinthians 15, now we compare the image of the heavenly man. That there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus within us. And maybe you are like me that I grew up and, and I was looking to the outward religion and outward things to try to fix me and help me. No, 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 no. You can't look to the outward things. you got to learn to look to the inward perfect one, Jesus Christ, who lives in you to take care and empower you. See, 2 Corinthians 3 and 5, Paul says... Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. 
who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The sufficiency is not in your natural state. The sufficiency is not in your emotions. The sufficiency is not in the wind and that which changes. The sufficiency is in the perfect one who lives in you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe some of you not only need to look again at the source of your true identity, that your true nature is one of living on mission. That when you were born again, you were created for good works that God prepared before and that you would walk in. But maybe some of you need to look again at the situation you're in. This is what James says in the beginning of James 1. He says, rejoice in trials. Why? Because trials are being allowed to produce the perfect one being squeezed out of your life. The pressure of the trial is to get you to learn to trust and yield to the perfect one in you so that he gets pressed out of you. And instead of having an overflow of filthiness, you have an overflow of righteousness. The inner righteousness, Christ, begins to flow out of you and you live on mission. You live on mission. Job was squeezed, but it squeezed Christ's likeness out of him. And he began to pray for those who wronged him. God turned this captivity. Maybe some of you today, you need to look again at the gospel. You thought the gospel was you trying to do for God and you trying to change the things that you're aware of. You thought the gospel was you looking and fixing your gaze on your performance and and trying to fix it all. No, no, no. You need to look again to the mystery of Christ in you. I'll never forget. First John, Michelle and I, got when we were married and we were pastors at a church in Kentucky and one of my roles was to be the chaplain of their Christian school every day I would preach to the the church kids been in church their whole life talking about a challenge I mean they they knew yeah I've heard Deuteronomy yeah yeah I've heard of Ezra I'll never forget one day though I was talking about the mystery what true biblical Christianity is about. There was a PK, a pastor's kid over here, second or third row. He, I could never get his attention all the other times. He's just always acting up. You know, he thought he'd seen it, heard it all, and it wasn't working for him, so he wasn't interested. He'd already checked out Christianity. He's just waiting to get out of the house. Remember I began to talk about true biblical Christianity, and I said, just because... What you have heard, hasn't, you haven't found fulfillment yet, doesn't mean you need to look somewhere else. Maybe you need to look again at what it truly is to follow Jesus. I began to talk about Christ, and he began to focus in. And his eyes got big, and he began to listen. Why? Because religion's not going to cut it, friends. But we got the perfect one who was resurrected, who by His Spirit lives in us with resurrection power. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. This is not about what you can do for God. This is about you willing to let God give you what He's already provided for you by His grace. So no man can boast in His presence. Maybe some of you, you need to look again at the weekly steps. What do I mean? You say, Pastor Chad, you know, I'm a little hesitant about this March missions because I got a family, I got kids, I got a job, I got responsibilities. My calendar's filled, and, and to do missions, to add missions on to my calendar, there's no room. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't say add missions. He said, as you go, live on mission. Some of you need to look again at your weekly steps. Let me tell you how God challenged and began to do that in my life several years ago. I begin to think, where does my weekly steps lead me? One of those is to the bank. I go to the bank at least once a week, if not multiple. And at the time, one of the banks I went to, as I began to think about that the perfect one, the one who lived on mission 100% of the time, lives in me, I began to hear and take notice of things that I didn't previously see or hear. I began to see... That every time I would come in, they would ask me, how are you doing? Oh, well, there's an opportunity. You know how grateful I am? I tell them. Simple starts, how it started. 
You know how thankful I am to be forgiven of the mess of my past? That's all I'd say that I do my deposit, go out. Next week coming, how you doing? You know how good it is that no matter what I'm going through to know I have a living hope named Jesus? Do my deposits, go out. Notice I'm depositing money, not always taking it out. That's a whole other series. But <laughs> And over a course of just looking again at my weekly steps, we were starting a new phase of the school discipleship when I was still traveling for each chapel. It was a Monday night. It was the opening night, and we had orientation. And I was walking to the auditorium where over 400-plus every time get together for opening of, of the discipleship. And as I'm walking, there's this young girl with a guy that I pass and I catch again. I look again. And it was a girl from the bank who I never had long conversations, but simple statements of looking again at my weekly steps. God began to use that as seed. Then she began to notice what I was depositing. What's CMC Worldwide? Uh, uh, what's this book royalty check? Oh, you have a book? Oh, you have discipleship? Where do they do it? Oh, they do it now. And there she was with her husband and her daughter. About to look again at the mystery of Christ in them and the pattern of sound teaching. I didn't change one step of my week. How much more does God have for all of us in this room to look again at our weekly steps? of how because Christ lives in us everywhere we go he wants to manifest to the hurting the broken the lost all around us if you're here today you want to look again look again at some things as they worship I want to ask you to rise and stand at this point I want you to sing this and say Holy Spirit make this come alive to me that the resurrected one is now resurrecting his quality, his standard, his life on the inside of me. Come on, let's begin to sing it. Hallelujah. Sing your name. In your name, your name is victory. And all praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.